for that security in Christ. I invite you to join me in Philippians chapter 4. Our series continues, The Mind of Christ. That Oh, that we would adopt the thought processes of our Savior, that we would have his heart beating in us so that we might act the way he would act, that we would speak the way he would speak, that we would love the way that he would love. He showed us his great love by obeying the Father, by fulfilling the plan of the Father to leave heaven and all its glories, to come to earth, to humble himself in that way so that he might live the perfect life that we could not, so that his perfect life could be imputed to us, that he could die the sacrificial death that we couldn't pay, so that our sins could be imputed to him or, or placed on his account. The gospel really, really is good news, isn't it? Our series passage is Philippians 2, 5 through 8. If you have it memorized, I invite you to not look at the screen as we say it together. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, and being born in likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. We've made it to chapter 4, and we've made some progress into chapter 4, but a little review would be helpful. Verse 1 says, stand firm. I've reworded it, stay faithful. And then we've used that, that phrase, stay faithful, throughout the rest of the chapter. In verses 2 and 3, we are to stay faithful in our relationships with fellow believers and to help them, help others mend their relationships as well. In verse 4, we stay faithful by what? Being grumpy? No, by rejoicing in the Lord always. When's the exception? That's right, there isn't one. Verse 5, we stay faithful to Christ by our godly reputation, letting our reasonableness be known to everyone. Last week, we were in verse 6, and verse 6 broke the pattern of the previous verses. The previous verses were all positively stated commands, but the command in verse 6 is negatively stated. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, it's still a positive outcome, and we're, it, it's a positive thought, but it's stated in a negative way. Paul could have stated this same thing in a positive manner. He could have said, be at peace in your heart by taking your anxieties to him in prayer. He could have said it in, in some sort of positive way, but he didn't because he wanted it to stick out. So last week we were in verse 6. Our big idea last week was we stay faithful to Christ when we give our burdens to God in prayer. We add to that today because it's a continuous thought 
Today we stay faithful to Christ by dwelling in God's peace. So our scripture reading this morning is uh, Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we are often anxious and worrisome people. And understandably so, because life is hard. There are all sorts of ways that life has been difficult for us, even in this last week, perhaps even today. There are certain pains of this life that that are just going to be with us uh, until our dying breath, until we see you face to face. And because of that, our proclivity, our, our natural bent is to worry. Lord, your, your word tells us that instead of worrying, we need to pray. And that there's a result from that prayer that we see in verse seven today, Lord, help us to trust your promise that you will grant us peace. So Father, fill me this morning. Help me to speak exactly the words you want me to say. Help us to hear from your spirit through your word and grow us, mold us, fashion us into the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. This past week, as I was going through my annual Bible reading plan, I hope you're keeping up with yours as well, uh, I was in Leviticus. Leviticus can be a hard book, right? Because there's lots of details of the law that I'm like, right? Doesn't it sometimes feel like that? Don't let it, don't let it. It's all there, it's all good and useful for us even today. In Leviticus chapter 6, there was a, a specific truth that stuck out to me that was not new. I've read it who knows how many times before. And, and of course, because it's the Old Testament law, you know it's repeated often. What stuck out afresh to me this week was had to do with the altar. When people sinned and needed to bring a sacrifice, or, or if they wanted to bring a voluntary sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise or worship, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. When, when they wanted to bring a sacrifice, they would bring the prescribed animal. And the Old Testament law goes into great detail as to what animals were uh, permitted, what, what animals would be acceptable, what quality of animal would be acceptable. That animal would be slaughtered in a prescribed manner. Prescribed animal, prescribed slaughter, and then that animal will be placed on the altar as a burnt offering. And that word burnt offering uh, carries with it the idea of ascension, that, that it goes up. And, and so that's what it pictures, that smoke from the altar goes up to the heavens, goes up to the, the dwelling place of God. So it was visualized that their offering was going to God. And what caught my attention was Leviticus 6.9. The word of God says, Command Aaron and his sons, that would be the, the high priest and his offspring who would be the priests, command Aaron and his sons saying, 
This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth on the altar all night until morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. A few verses later, verse 12, the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not go out. And the next verse, the fire shall be kept burning on the altar. It shall not go out. Do you see what stuck out to me? This fire on the altar had to keep going all the time. All the time. Why? Well, because God commanded. Okay, why? Because the altar always had to be ready. Right? Isn't that a beautiful picture of God? How he is always ready when you come to worship him. How he's always ready when you come to him with your sins that you, uh, that you want to confess. The fire had to always be burning. Verse 6 of Philippians 4. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God's character has not changed from the book of Leviticus to now. He is always, always ready for you to come to him in prayer. He's always alert and ready to receive your prayer and to respond to it. And that's where we get in verse 7 this week, is God's response when we pray. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. First of all, we see in verse 7 that God's peace is the product of prayer. And no, I'm not going to alliterate everything, so if that annoys you, just ignore it. That's just how it works for this point. God's peace is the outcome, the result, the product of prayer. We stay faithful to Christ by dwelling in God's peace. Just a couple of verses earlier, was, we stay faithful to Christ by dwelling in joy, by rejoicing in him. Joy and peace go hand in hand, don't they? It's hard to have one if you don't have the other, right? So what is the peace of God? First of all, what is it not? The peace of God is not the end of all of our problems. Okay? God does not ever promise that in this life we will have all of our pains, all of our struggles, all of our trials removed. Anyone who tells you otherwise is lying. Right? They're selling you a bill of goods. A bill of goods that turns out to be sour and false. So whatever is bringing about anxiety in verse 6, remember verse 6 says, be anxious for nothing, do not be anxious about anything. Whatever anxiety is happening, whatever stressor you're facing, whatever brokenness of life that you are experiencing is not necessarily gone when we get to verse 7. Right? What's gone in verse 7 is the anxiety in verse 6. It doesn't mean that the cause of the anxiety is gone. Here's what peace is. It's tranquility. One dictionary said that um, various languages use different idioms to express peace, and one of them is to sit down in one's heart. I like that. 
Peace is just having your heart rest, to sit down in one's heart. Rather than being all riled up in your spirit, your heart sits, rests, relaxes. God's peace is the product of prayer. We want peace, don't we? Every, every aspect, every understanding of that word, we want peace. We want a calm, satisfied tranquility in our soul. We want peace. How often do we pursue that peace outside of God's ordained means? Too often, right? God's ordained means is prayer. To be like Christ is to be men and women of prayer. Come back tonight as we go through this concept of praying the scripture. Uh, This book, as Pastor Dan said, is very short. The first time I read it, I read it in one sitting, uh, and that was a few years ago, and it transformed how I use the Bible while I pray. If you want more consistent peace in your everyday life, deepen your prayer life, right? Because God's peace is the product of prayer. Secondly, God's peace is indescribable. As as found in our text, this peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Fuller context helps us understand how and why this peace of God in our lives is indescribable. Remember when we were in in verse 5, that last part of verse 5 says, the Lord is at hand. Um, Some translators pieced that with the previous sentence and some translators pieced it with the next sentence and some translators have it as a sentence all to itself. We talked about that a few weeks ago, how uh, what that that means is that this is kind of, um, this is is a turning point. This is... uh, impacting all the other commands that are in these few verses at the beginning of chapter 4. The Lord is at hand, or he is coming soon, or he is nearby. He is with you. The Lord is with you, so do not be anxious. Rather, pray, beg, give him your demands, the things that you need, as we talked about last week. With thanksgiving, we talked about that last week. How that thankfulness is is a sign of faith that you're thankful that God's going to answer your prayer because you believe he's going to answer your prayer. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Yeah, it does surpass all understanding. It surpasses anything that we can fathom because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is nearby. That peace will guard our hearts and minds in Christ. If the world can analyze your calm, if the world can look at the peace that you have in your life and they can explain it, then it's not the peace of God. Right? That's why this peace is so closely tied to the anxieties, to the worries of the world. Because the same things that we worry about, the same things that weigh us down, burden the world around us. 
but we talk to our Creator, and then we have peace, even when those burdens aren't removed, and the world looks at us like we're crazy. How can you be calm when your entire life is falling apart? Actually, they look at us with a bit of envy. Because we have a peace that they don't have. Again, remember, God is not promising to remove the problem that we worry about. He promises to change your inner being when you go to him in prayer. That's the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Let me ask it this way. Is your God bigger than your problem? If your God is not bigger than your problem, you don't have the right God, right? Because of the nature of life in this sin-cursed world, we have problems. We have struggles. Don't be anxious about them. Pray. And the promised result is a glorious, immeasurable, unfathomable, unexplainable peace. Perhaps there's someone here right now yelling at me in your mind. But you don't know the situation I'm in. I have prayed. I've genuinely prayed and still I have worry and doubt and fear and anxiety. You may well have prayed. And you may well still carry the burdens of doubt and despair. All it means is God wants you to keep praying. Because the promise here is clear. When we are people of prayer, our heart softens, our heart changes, our heart is calmed. Keep praying until you experience his peace. Keep praying until he keeps his promise. The more you entrust yourself to him in prayer, the more you demonstrate the reality of your faith. See, when, when hard times come, that is God testing our faith. Do we really, really trust him? Keep praying. Don't stop. Keep praying because the promise is so incredible, the promise of this immeasurable peace, in unfathomable peace. The peace of God surpasses all understanding because God surpasses all understanding, doesn't he? Look how God is described in scripture. I'm going to take you through some verses. Psalm 40, verse 5. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. We can tell others of all of God's good deeds to us and all of his good thoughts to us. That's what the psalmist is saying. We can tell others about all the things God has done for us and we'll never be able to tell them all. So the, the psalmist here determines to proclaim them anyway. 
as we should as well. That was Psalm 40, verse 5. This is Psalm 145, verse 3. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Go ahead, search out God's greatness to see if you can find the sum total. You can't. We'll have all of eternity to pursue searching out the sum total of God's greatness and we won't find it. The first book written in, of our scripture is the book of Job. The book of Job is a book of God's sovereignty, of man's misery, but of a man who trusted God through that misery. Job chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Job says, As for me, I would seek God, and to God would I commit my cause, who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. This is the man who, in earlier chapters, lost all of his wealth and his children all at once. He lost his health. He recognized that this was all from God. We know that Satan was the messenger. Satan did it. But he recognized that God is the one who brought this pain into his life. And in spite of all that, he says, I'm going to keep seeking God. I'm going to keep committing myself fully to God, even though he has taken everything from me. He is great. He does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. That is the greatness of our God. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Much like his goodness is unsearchable, his works are unsearchable, his understanding. God understands your position, where you are, where you've been. And unlike our understanding, he understands where we're going, right? Back to the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Our God who is able to act gloriously beyond our understanding is the God who promises his peace in your heart when you pray. One more. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. 
How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. This is the doxology that Paul puts uh, in, in chapter 11 of Romans. He's not done with the book, not even close. Uh, but in chapter 11, the end of chapter 11, is this doxology. And it's one of my favorite passages. This doxology ends in verse 36 where he says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Our God is the source of all things, for from Him. He is the maintainer of all things, from Him and through Him. And all things have been brought about for His purpose, for from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. So what is keeping us from praying to Him and receiving His promised peace? What's stopping us? God's peace is the product of prayer. God's peace is indescribable because our God is immeasurable and undescribable. And thirdly, God's peace protects. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We stay faithful to Christ by dwelling in God's peace and that's what Paul means in saying that our hearts and minds are guarded. We will remain faithful to him. When we don't pray and we continue to be in, in this state of worry that the world brings about on us, we are shrinking our faith, right? Because we're not actively trusting him by giving him our cares. So what does Paul mean by guarding our hearts and minds? Well, the guarding part is pretty self-explanatory. We're being protected. That's what the word means. It's not difficult. The fact that this protection comes from Christ Jesus, as the verse ends, says we'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The fact that this comes through his work, his being, is also pretty self-explanatory. Clearly, God's peace and therefore his protection is not due to our circumstances. Our circumstances are lousy and they haven't changed by the time we get to verse 7. But this peace has its root in our crucified, risen, ascended Savior who works on our behalf even today. So again, what does Paul mean by guarding our hearts and minds? Is he being simply poetic or redundant or something else? Well, when you pray, God promises his peace and his peace overshadows both, here according to Paul, our hearts and our minds. Our hearts, our affections, our innermost being. The true being that we are, that's our heart. And his peace overshadows our hearts and our minds, our thoughts, our thought processes. His peace, which stands apart from our circumstances, I can't say that enough. His peace, that inner peace that he generates within us, stands separate from our circumstances because our circumstances oftentimes don't change. His peace watches over our thoughts and affections. That's what that word guard. Guards our hearts, our thoughts and our affections to keep us from straying away from him, to keep us from returning to our worry, 
to keep us from being shaken in our faith, to keep us from disbelieving the promises of God. Our faith is strengthened when we rely on God for his peace. So, people of prayer are peace-filled people. People of prayer are people who do not dwell in their problems. We stay faithful to Christ by dwelling in God's peace. I might add to that, through prayer. By constantly communicating with him. God brings hard situations into our lives so that we will be driven to our knees. God takes us to our breaking point. He takes us to the point of destroying our sense of calm so that we will pray and experience his peace. See, if, if the calmness, the tranquility, if the peace that we have is because life is simply easy, well, the world can look at that and say, well, yeah, when my life is easy, I'm calm too. But when life is chaotic and hectic and hurtful and we still have peace, well, now that's unexplainable, except that it's the peace of God. And it gives us that opportunity to share with them how Jesus paid it all so that the worries of this life don't need to be so big to us. So that our biggest need, our, our sin debt could be removed so that our biggest need being made right with God the Father could be corrected, could be established through Jesus Christ. It opens the door for us to explain to them the gospel. How can you be okay when your life is falling apart? That's how. Because I live in prayer with my Savior and my God. His peace is glorious. It's glorious because it's grounded in the person and work of Jesus Christ who gave himself for us as the perfect offering for our sin. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? The grace of God in your life means that your greatest problem is taken care of. That sin that separates you from God is taken care of. And as a believer in Jesus, you can go to God in prayer. He will hear you. And he promises his peace. So keep praying. Father, I thank you for the promise of your word. Lord, if there's someone here today who has not surrendered in faith to believe that Jesus is God the Son who died for their sins, who offers this great salvation. If there's someone here today who is not a believer, then this peace they can't possibly understand. And yet you, you fitted into our hearts the longing and desire for peace. So 
Father, I pray that if there's someone here today who has not received the gift of salvation, that today they would believe. They would receive everlasting life. Father, I thank you for the promise of your word that you will grant your peace to us. That we pray, because we have problems, we pray, we beg of you to take care of our problems, to help us through our problems. And you, in turn, provide peace through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the ways that you will grow us in our Christian walk, in our faith, in our uh, belief in you as we go through hard times and as you produce peace in us despite circumstances that are hard. Father, I ask that you would help us to live out these words today, that we would be people of prayer and thereby people of peace. In Jesus' name.